Hey everybody, welcome to this month's version of Metal Misconduct. I'm Brian Slagle from Metal Blade Records, and as always, we are joined by Sean Rourke from NHL.com. How are you today, Sean? I'm doing fantastic, Brian. I hope you're doing uh, well yourself. Happy holidays to everybody as they listen to this as we enter into the holiday season, and uh, let's get started, man. Wow, you were filled with joy and cheer and holiday revelry. I am. You know why? Because the Christmas tree lighting yesterday was in the city. My office is a block away. So once that's over, I'm home free. Yesterday was a gong show. See, I'm not happy because it's like 32 degrees in Los Angeles, and that's not <laughs> right. Well, that's going to be good for the outdoor game next month. Uh, yeah. Well, no. I want it to be like 80 <clears throat> and sunny. It'd be fun. So um, joining us this month, we have guitar player extraordinaire... Uh, on Metal Blade recording artist Monty Pittman. Hello. Hey, Brian. Hello there. Hey, everybody. How How's good? it going? I'm good. I'm good. Keeping warm. I know. That's, it's good to be here. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's not, uh, it's just, we know, this is California. It's way too cold. And I'm making the, the well, it's going to be fun, but it's going to be a nightmare. I'm actually going to the Denver Broncos-San Diego Chargers game uh, in a couple weeks with uh, my buddy Kerry King. And I looked at the forecast, and it's going to be, in the evening, it's going to be 11. Well, what do you expect when you go see the Broncos? Well, you know, we went last year, uh, right before Christmas, actually. The game was, I think, the 23rd, and it was 56 degrees. Oh, really? We were very happy about that. This is not looking so good. Oh, okay. I thought it was always really cold there. Uh, no, it can, it can be. Denver's a weird town. It can be really warm one day, and then... You know, minus eighteen the next day. You just you yeah. Just no, but Denver's know. a crazy town when it comes to weather. So you know that uh, if it's going to be eleven, though, you know the the Broncos are going to struggle though because Peyton Peyton can't uh, pass in the cold, right? Oh, That's what trust, everybody's saying. I'm very well aware of that. So I, I'm hoping <laughs> that uh, you know the, the the forecast changes every day. So we'll see. But the big problem is I think it, in the day it's going to be like forty two. But the game's a night game, so it's going to get cold fast. But uh, but we're in an area of the stadium where we can run into some gigantic big lounge that's warm. So I have a feeling that we may be watching a large portion of the game in that room, but we'll see. So um, are you... So what's your take, Sean? Because you're, you're going to the Olympics. What's your take on... Because I don't know if you saw, but basically Vladimir Putin came out and said uh, that nobody gets Christmas or New Year's Eve off, uh, although 95,000 people that are working on getting the Olympics together. They said all the stadiums are, are done, but all the infrastructure is not. And it's already the costliest Olympics in history, $50 billion. What, uh, what are you expecting to have happen to you over there? I'm expecting everything to uh, be ready by the time the Olympics starts. I mean, it seems like we go through this every time. You know, I've been lucky enough to cover two, and they've both been in North America, so it's been a little bit easier. Salt Lake City and Vancouver, a lot of the infrastructure was already there, but uh, even they cut it close. My wife covered the one in uh, the Summer Olympics in Australia uh, as a photographer, and, and they barely beat the deadline. The, the Greeks barely beat the deadline. So, you know, this seems to happen every time a country tries to host one of these, and you know, it just seems like they're going to go around the clock until we get there. I mean, I think it'll be very different than covering one in North America. But to me, that's part of uh, uh, part of the lure of the whole thing. It's an opportunity to kind of experience what's going to happen over there and and uh, kind of make an adventure out of it. So I'm looking forward to it. How's your Russian? My Russian, not so good. Placebo. <laughs> that's pretty bad. Uh, you need to know, Privyet, that's how are you. Kogdula, that's, you know, 
or Privet is hello, how are you? And Cogdula's if they the ask you that for, first to say and you and Horror's Horror Show is good, Paca is goodbye, Pelmini is what you want to eat. The only thing I need to know, Brian, is where's the beer? Yeah, there you go. Or vodka. Yeah, there's vodka so, everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, whichever one. So once I learn that, I think I'll be okay. I'm sure you can fend for yourself. You might want to carry vodka. And then I'll just have to write the address of my hotel down on my hand, and then we'll be all good. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, you better, but you have to do it in Russian. Yeah, I'll have somebody else do it. Ah, well, look, you've. You have it all figured out, apparently. I'm, I'm impressed. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Monty, our guest here, has a new record coming out uh, January 21st, right? January 21st. And uh, it was 2014. Produced by a name that many of you should know Fleming Rasmussen, who did the first three Metallica records. Well, two, three, and four. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Kill them yeah. all, yeah. Two, yeah. two three, and four. And I, for- I forget Kill them all existed. <laughs> Yeah, and Morbid Angel, yeah, Cat, Cat Stevens, Cat St- Cat Rainbow. Stevens. Well, impressive. I didn't know he did Cat Stevens though. Yeah, he did. Uh, yeah, he's got some good Cat Stevens stories. I'll let him tell you sometime. <laughs> oh boy, I can only imagine <laughs> how uh, how was it working with him? Uh, it was it was it was a dream come true. Is the best way I could put it into words. Um. He he knows when to push you at the right times, and there's times he's pushing you that you don't realize that he is. But you'll you, you, we would play a song like the second song on the album, "Delusions of Grandeur." At the end, I thought the song was just going to end. You know, we, like we were just going to end it. And he was like, "No, you guys can do better. You can do better." And he would keep he would have us just play it again and again to where it's like, okay, what else are we going to do? And then we just you're 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 almost like pissed off, and then. And then you're you're just almost you've just kind of given up on it, and then that brings something out of you in your playing, and just what we laid down was like the first time that we had played it in that way, and so it was great. He had us all. Uh, we rented an apartment where we all lived together. There's a lot of psychology behind it. What he puts into it, and then he's got some gear. He's got some pieces of gear that are very rare. Like a a, uh, a piece of gear called a trident, you know, it's kind of one of those secret weapons. But there's only so many of them that are even made, and so that's another bonus. But for for him, you know, that was somebody I, I met him randomly, and uh, our relationship kind of cultivated over a few years. And um, so, just having somebody like that work with me was it was a dream come true to have someone where i could say hey remember when you did this like how how could i apply that (laughs) instead of someone just making an album and then they're getting ready to make their next album we spoke the same language but not literally so the other thing that we you should know about Monty, number one, he he is a sports fan. By the way, we're going to talk a little hockey and and baseball that he's a a fan of in a minute. But I did want to bring up one other interesting fact about Monty that he also plays guitar for some woman named Madonna. Yes, that's true. For a long some time, woman, too. some woman, some yeah, woman. F- yeah, um, going on fourteen years now. Wow. Well, yeah. And how does how does one get to play guitar in Madonna? Well, I started giving her guitar lessons. And that's how it all started. And she hadn't toured in, I think it was like seven years. And I didn't even know that she was still active or playing. Not too many people knew that she was going to be like kind of coming back. And she was getting ready to put out an album. 
and uh, started teaching her. And a, a month later, she asked me to come play on the Letterman show with her, just me and her in our acoustic guitars. And from there, she said, "Hey, I'm going to go on tour. I want you to, I want to keep taking lessons from you, and I'm going to need a guitar player. Why don't you play guitar for me, and then you can teach me on the road?" And I'm like, "Yeah, of course," because I'd never been on tour before. When I I grew up in a small town in Texas. And I moved out to L.A. and I started playing in Prong pretty much like the se- the first month I moved out here. And so I had that going on, but we didn't play any, we hadn't played any shows. Uh, Tommy Victor was just getting the band kind of going again. But yeah, I started teaching her how to play guitar and then she invited me to join her on tour and we've toured together and written together, played on some of her albums. She's great. Love working with her. Can't say enough good things about her. Now, here's the most important question. How good a guitar player is she? Uh, as far as, well, she can do what she wants to do, and that's <laughs> what's important. Um, she can, when she uh, when she's concentrated on it and she's, you know, practicing, she could, you know, shred up and down the neck a little bit. But to her, it's more, it's not like you say, hey, look, you learn how to play this good. One day you'll sell a million albums. Uh, for her, it's more of how can I apply this to my live show, where I can pl- you know play play guitar on a song or two during the during the set, and also if she's writing, she could take the chords of whatever song she's working on and she could practice that her on her own. Now, Monty is a massive metalhead and loves re- a lot of really extreme metal as well. So was she aware of your affinity for metal during this time, or is that something that you brought up far down the road? Or maybe she still doesn't even know. Well, when we first started playing, it, and th- it's, it's, it's this case for a lot of new students, is people will learn how to play on the acoustic. So a lot of the stuff that we played together was more you know, like acoustic bass. So she heard me play more acoustic stuff. And then, you know, playing electric for her music, especially at the time, uh, it was more kind of that atmospheric. It was, we did a lot of stuff off the Ray of Light album that William Orbit did. So a lot of delays, a lot of echoes and things like that. So there wasn't a lot of heavy stuff. Although there's always been in her set some sort of, I'll say like a rock section where there's some sort of distorted guitar so yeah she always knew about that and i mean i used to wear my six feet undershirt around (laughs) did you ever play her any six feet under i don't think i played her any of that chris barnes came to a show one time actually and uh but i don't and i think they maybe maybe they passed in the hall and and said hi or something i don't know (laughs) it wasn't a big meeting but i remember there was a lot of crew guys going oh my god chris barnes is here (laughs) It was, like, it was Chris Barnes and Lenny Kravitz and the Spice Girls were the people that were there at that show wow. that people were talking about. <laughs> that, that would have been a good duet right there if you could have got him on stage. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what he would think about it, actually. I was like, this guy may never talk to me again. <laughs> but you'd be surprised. I mean, she likes all kinds of music. With, with Maverick, they signed the Deftones. Yep. And uh, the reason, I think... That they got Terry Date to do the first Deftones album was because he had done a vulgar display of power. Of course. I think that was the connection there. Legendary producer. So 
Now, Monty's been going. I bet I, I kind of gotten him more into that than he would probably like. But we've been been going to quite a few Kings games lately. Yes. So you're you're yeah. definitely becoming a, a, a becoming a Los Angeles uh, fan. Of, I am. I yeah, I'm learning. There's yeah. still a lot to learn, and uh, you know, it's it, I, this year I've gone to more sports games than ever in my life. And again, growing up in a small town in East Texas, there. You know, you have not a your, lot of options. Yeah, you just have your high school football, and that—that's it. Um, but yeah, I went to a lot of Dodgers and uh, some Angels games. <laughs> After a few of those, I just—I I said, no, I got something to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the Dodgers did great this year, and then going to Kings game—I'd never been to a hockey game. So now, um, now that I've been to a few, I'm starting to figure it out, learning, or even catch it on TV. So See? I think that's saying something. It's addicting. That's what I was worried about. I was like, if I get into sports, I'm going to be into it all the time. So it's better not to even go there. You can, you can, you can manage it both. It's was, manageable, man. You'll be okay. But I caught it. So, la- so was it last night the Kings play the Ducks? Or was that two nights ago? Uh, two nights ago. Two nights ago. And they, well, there was something significant about the end. They, the shootout. The shootout. Yeah, it was a tie game and a shootout, which, which the Kings won in enemy territory against the Ducks. And, you know, I wanted to ask you th- this, Sean, because um, this is the first year in quite some time where the West Western teams are far superior to the Eastern teams. I I, I was reading, the, the I think, the record that Western teams have only lost one game to the Eastern teams. Yeah, no, they, they've been better the last couple of years, but this is this is unbelievable um, how much better they've been. And, and I don't know if there's an explanation for it other than that it's it's really kind of cyclical in the fact that you know most of the good teams are out west for some reason. You know, I I thought it'd be a little bit better with Detroit coming east, but uh, that hasn't really happened. I, to me, the biggest difference when I watch games is just the the amount of skating that goes on. You know, the the western teams are so fast and they come at you with so much depth that a lot of the teams in the East can't match that. You know, uh, the Kings were out here last week and they swept the, the three New York teams. And when they played the Devils, it was like, it was like, uh, a speed, a bunch of speed skaters playing against a, a bunch of roller derby guys. I mean, <laughs> the the amount of difference in the speed was unbelievable, and the Devils were able to keep it close because they're good at that. They they kind of lull teams into playing at speeds they don't want to play and slow the game down. But uh, the the Kings, and that was the third game in three, and they they were just flying. Um, so to me, that's the biggest difference when I look at the West, and most of the good goaltenders are out West too, so that doesn't hurt either. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think the really the four best teams in the, in the AHL that I've, I've seen this year, the Chicago, the Kings, the Ducks, and the Sharks. Uh, you know, the mm-hmm. East, the East. normally, you know, I love, you know, obviously I'm a big, huge Penguins fan and, you know, the Caps and a lot of the Eastern teams, but I don't know. They, I watch the Eastern games. There's just something is is missing from those teams so far this year. It just, they, and then you see them match up against the Western teams. It's just, there's not, they're not competitive. Yeah, and the, the other thing is I think some of the teams in the East know that. Like, you know, the Penguins and the Bruins, they know that they're going to be okay. There's no 
there's no push to get better right now. You know, so if they have an injury, they just call somebody up. They're not really looking at making their teams better. Whereas in the West, I mean, you just named the four best teams in the West, and St. Louis doesn't even crack that. And, and St. Louis is a really good team. They've only lost two games in a row once this year, and it was to the Kings and the Sharks just recently, you know. And, and you know, in the, in the East, they would be a top two team. And the reason that they have to be that good is because you can't afford to kind of go along like the Penguins did. They had that little mini losing streak and nobody really panicked. Nobody said anything. It was all going to get better. They didn't lose any ground. Whereas in the West, you're going to get buried. Well, yeah, and the, and the interesting thing, too, about the West is, you know, the Kings, when Quick went down, everybody thought, oh, that's it for the Kings, they're, they're done. But now Scrivens has come in, and he's played actually much better than Quick has played. Where did that come from? I don't know. You know, he's been a good goalie in the AHL, and, and you know, he was in Toronto for a while, and that's kind of a place where goalies go to die for the most part. They, they haven't really had a good run of goalies. Uh, I don't know if it's the pressure, if it's the scrutiny, what it is. You know, and, and I know that the... I know that Ranford, who's their goalie coach, and and uh, a couple other guys worked a lot with Ben. Worked on his glove hand. He was holding it really up high, and they kind of brought it down a little bit and made him a little calmer. And then you know he plays all those games, and you're like, great. And then you know the coach says, okay, we're going to put Martin Jones in to play his first game against the Ducks in this you know cauldron of intensity. And what's he do? He goes out and he wins the shootout. Yeah, crazy. I mean, he, he, well, he's looked good though. I saw him play in junior and the World Juniors, and he's he's always always looked pretty good. See, Monty's pretty lucky, you know. He's getting into hockey now when the Kings are. I mean, obviously they won the cup a few years ago. That was obviously the pinnacle, but they're playing way better this regular because that regular season they didn't play very well. The Kings doing now they're playing no, they the highest level good... they've ever played in the regular season. I think. Oh, well, that came in at the right time then. Yeah, get in. Get in on the top, and the Ducks are as good as they've been in a long time. I mean, I, I think if I had to handicap it right now, you know, those are two of the three teams that I picked for the Western Conference Final. The other one, of course, Brian knows this because I pick them every year, would be the Sharks. And and they're actually better than I thought they would be. So, you know, I, I to me, right now, the three best teams in, in the West are out on the coast, and, you know, that leaves Chicago, the defending cup champions, in, in fourth in the West. I mean, that's an unbelievable statement, and they're not even playing bad. Yeah, exactly. They've been playing awfully well too. So we'll we'll get you to a Ducks game. That's the okay. Next, uh, that's the next step. That's the next step. The next tier of hockey of, of my evil plan to be, make you a hockey. Fan. The only thing so. that I've ever known about hockey is that the the original Jason Friday the Thirteenth mask <laughs> is a it's the Detroit Red Wings mask. Is that right? Or do you I know? Don't know, Sean? Oh, maybe. Right? <laughs> that's about I all I knew not, about hockey. Yeah, I had not heard about that. I mean, that was a traditional. Uh, goalie mask like growing up you would get that's one of the first masks I ever wore as a goalie not playing competitively because uh, I wore like the Dahmer Koshik uh, birdcage when I started playing at eight um, but uh, one of the first ones I ever got first playing street hockey was the Jason one I mean that was just uh, to me, I thought it was just like kind of the generic one. Um, Jerry Cheevers, who played for the Bruins, had one like that. And what he would do is every time he got hit in the face, he would put stitch marks where he had gotten hit. And by the time he retired, I think there were 732 or some crazy number of stitches. And when you look at his mask, especially if you've ever played goal like I did, it, it gives you the heebie-jeebies because you just think about what could have happened to him if he didn't have that little flimsy piece of protection on his face oh, wow. compared to now where guys are so protected. But if you ever get a chance, go on the internet and look up Jerry Cheever's mask. It is okay. a frightening thing to look at. <laughs> well, maybe that's where they got the idea. 
Probably somewhere there. You know, the funny thing, too, about you, you mentioned that you, you forget that the history of the league. I mean, people didn't wear helmets. And they didn't always didn't wear masks. <coughs> when did it change? Uh, it changed like in the 70s. Who was it? Was it uh, uh, Eddie Jacquemin that first started wearing a mask? Jacques Plante. Jacques Plante. And his coach was mad at him. His coach didn't want him to do it. He had broken his nose or had, had suffered some sort of facial cut. And uh, he fashioned like this half mask out of leather. And he wanted to wear that to protect the injury. And his coach told him that he wouldn't play him if he wore that. And Was that, the, was that they, 50s or 60s? Uh, it was right around the turn. Yeah. Uh, it might have been the late 50s, early 60s. And then it, it progressed from there. For the longest time, they were just those those almost, they looked like half coconut shells. And, and that's what guys would wear, and that's when they started painting them and giving them some some distinctive. And then the, so the, you Jace, knew. the Jason mask was probably about mid nineteen sixties, somewhere like that, probably early early seventies. Because, like I said, I remember the Jerry Cheever's mask from when I was a little kid, and that was like seventy three, seventy four. Yeah. And then right after that, they went to the they went to the kind of the birdcage uh, mask with the real helmet, and the, then the the, the Billy Smith the face mask. guard, yeah, that came way out. And then, because even in 80, uh, uh, the American goalie, um, I can't think of it, Jim Craig, kind of had that hybrid one. Yep. It's crazy. So, Could you imagine if they weren't wearing masks now? Guys would no. last like, what, two games and they'd be either dead or eyes would be lost or something? Crazy. Yeah, no, but uh, don't forget, then it almost nobody got the stick up high. Like, nobody got the shot up high. It was, you know, the wrist shot, like, with the curved stick that wasn't in yet. And the goalies never went down. The goalie position, like, I learned to play goalie standing up almost like you were laughed at if you went down until you had to make a save. And now everybody's taught to go down early to get a better viewpoint of the puck. But when I was a little kid and before that, like, you, you watch when when Gretzky was at his prime, you almost laugh at the goalies, and those were great goalies, but they're they're all standing up, and every time they try and make a kick save, they look like they're going to fall over. And, and you look at the goalies today and how athletic they are, and it's it's unbelievable the difference. Well, if you go back and look at the game in let's let's say the late seventies, and just look at the I mean even the the early eighties, just look at the goalie pads and stuff. I mean they're minuscule. They look they're half as big as they are now. So the the whole game has really changed because oh, of and so is the equipment half as big. Yeah, well that's what I mean. All all the goalie equipment. I mean everything. The arm pads. The, my my original catching glove when I started playing square hockey was no bigger than a first baseman's glove, and now it's like this giant like fly swatting thing. I, when I put one on, I can't even believe it. <laughs> exactly, craziness. So, so for those of you that want to go look at the history of hockey, it's it's interesting to go to go check it out. So there, so Monty, we, we're going to give you some homework now. Okay, well, to, I was going to ask do. you some of these questions at games, but you yes, look like please. you're into the game, and I'm glad I waited until. Oh now. no, dude, you can ask me <laughs> anything. Well, I I grew up uh, in my entire life in L.A., and you know I became a huge hockey fan in the early '80s. So everybody I would bring to game, I mean, nobody in L.A. knew anything about hockey back then, but I was obsessed with it, so I knew everything. So I would go to games and I would always bring my friends who didn't know so I'd explain the whole game and they'd ask a million questions the people all sitting around me would always ask questions so I'm totally used to that it's not not a problem okay good e easily done so um so your record's coming out in record's coming out in January 20 little over a month yep, two singles are out now you could list you could go get those right now they're on iTunes yep first and the names are uh, a dark horse and before the morning sun the album's called the power of three and you can you can pre-order it now 
Yeah, you can go up and check all that stuff out. On You can go to the Metal Wade website. You can go to uh, iTunes and download that stuff as well. There's a video that you shot that should be coming pretty soon. Yep, just saw a, a rough cut of it, and it, I'm very happy with that. There's a teaser up now, so you can kind of see what it's going to look like. Very good, and it's uh, Monty, M-O-T-E. M-O-N-T-E. I'm sorry, M-O-N-T-E. <laughs> I was remembering I have to say the E at the end, not the Y. Yeah, yeah, yeah. M-O- How, M-O-N-T-E. Why the E and not the Y? I asked my parents. I don't uh, okay, know. it's not your fault then. Yeah. Uh, but definitely check all that stuff out. It's uh, it's very, very good. Or you can see him at a hockey game coming up yeah. so- sooner or, or later as well. Anytime they need someone to play the Star Spangled Banner, I, I know it. <laughs> yeah, we might That'll have be to- awesome. Yeah, we might have to get you to do that. I, Slash did it once, uh, just uh, the uh, guitar version of it. So yeah. we'll have to start pitching that. I'd love to do that. All right. I have connections there. Fred all Corey right. from Cinderella does all the music at Staples Center. So. See, A Dark Horse and Before the Morning Sun would be two great songs for the Kings to come out to. Yeah, really. Well, yeah, of course. The, unfortunately for the, for us, the Kings do not play very much metal. The Ducks play way more metal than the Kings do. Oh, okay, well, then the Ducks or whoever. <clears throat> or Pittsburgh and our buddies in Pittsburgh. Uh, we gotta get we gotta get out to back out to Pittsburgh, Sean, and hang out with those dudes again. How yeah, are Dallas? Man. How are Dallas doing Vinny. right now? We gotta, Dallas are good. We gotta talk to Vinny. Yeah, we'll talk to Vinny. He, he does the he does all the music in Pittsburgh. Dallas is another place where they play a lot of metal, but they can't come out to your song. Well, I guess they could in the second and third period, but Pantera actually wrote the song that the Stars come out to. Yeah, that's well. I, I grew up outside of Dallas, so that's the closest that I had to having teams. You know, the Cowboys, Rangers. Yep. <clears throat> Are you a fan of the Cowboys? Sure. I mean, I'm, I, sure. I, I better not say no. Yeah, I am. All right, fair enough. And now we'll have to, I'll have to get into the L.A. Kiss. That's right. That's right. Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley of Kiss own the um, uh, Arena Football League team here in L.A. that plays at uh, Honda Center. Yeah, they've been hitting the that Ducks hard play. lately. L.A. Kiss. I actually have season tickets. Oh. So, I know. I saw it. you the other day tweet that you got season tickets. That's phenomenal. I have season tickets to the L.A. Kiss. I, what, why not? It could be my next venture. Arena football is fun. I used to go a lot in Arizona. They used to have it in the summer, summertime. I'd be out there every once in a while. The Arizona Rattlers, when there's nothing else going on in Phoenix. And those games are fun. And it should be interesting with, to see what Kiss does with it, too. That's their foray. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll own a hockey team next, Sean. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine what the goalie mask will look like. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that the well, I saw the the, uh, the I think they just put the jerseys out for the LA Kiss. And they're, they're pretty cool. They have a bunch of flames and stuff on there. So, uh, it should be interesting to see what they do with that. So, I don't know. That's a money. Well, I guess Bon Jovi made good money there, right? Yeah, and they, now he's trying to get into the NFL. He's trying to buy the Bills, so it's a stepping stone. Well, let me just give you some insider information about that. Um, so a good friend of mine who will, will be on this show uh, in the coming next month or two, Jason Lockenfora, who is the NFL insider for the CBS morning, uh, you know, the sh- what is it? I forget what they call it, but it's the one with Bill Cowher and, and Dan Marino and all that stuff, the CBS show basically right before the NFL every Sunday morning. And he's the NFL insider, so... Um, so he reached out to his uh, his music uh, people about the Bon Jovi thing. So I was one of his I was one of his sources for that actually. So uh, it should be interesting. Yeah, I guess he he did well with that arena football team. Actually made money. So he's he was going to be the Jay Z of the Buffalo Toronto Bills. Well, there you go, and that's a perfect place for him. Yeah, why not? Yeah, he's the, 
He's thinking of moving him full time to Toronto. I heard too. Yeah, I don't know. I hear various reports about that. Uh, I, you know, it's going to be difficult to take them out of Buffalo. And I know he's spending a lot of time talking to Buffalo uh, politicians and whatnot. So I get the feeling that if they that they would do a split schedule, they do half the games in Buffalo and half the games in Toronto, at least in the in the interim. But all this isn't going to happen until Ralph Wilson dies, and I mean he's ninety four or something now. So it could be a year, it could be three or four years, but they're not going to sell the team until he passes away. So, yeah, Should no, it's going to take take a while. Should be interesting. So, uh, again, Monty, thanks for stopping by and hang out, hanging out with us. The yeah. record is coming out January twenty first. The power of three. Power of three. There's two, two singles, two tracks up now that you can check out on go to metalblade.com or go to Monty Pittman's site or go to iTunes and check it out. Uh, you can follow Monty on Twitter at yeah, Monty at Pittman. Monty Pittman. Instagram is at Monty Pittman and obviously go like his Facebook page as well Yes, and you can get all the information on the Metal Blade stuff of course my Twitter is at Metal Blade my, at, at Metal Blade my Twitter is at Brian Slagle and also you can check out at Metal Blade and my Instagram is at Brian Slagle and Sean is on Twitter and I can never remember what his thing is there's underscores and things what is it again it's, Sean it's S Rourke R-O-A-R-K-E underscore NHL can you? Why don't you get rid of the underscore? Does everybody <laughs> at the NHL have that? All right, we'll look into it, Brian. For you, that'll be my Christmas present to yeah, you. Yeah, please get rid of that because then I can remember things. This underscore is just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, you know you, you're a famous famous enough guy. You don't need to have an underscore. All right, it was it was uh, when I didn't know what Twitter was. I did it, and maybe I've outgrown it. You can change it. It can be done. We, yeah. We've seen All right, happen. man. I'll uh, look into it. Uh, that's your that's your more the most important job in December. Forget Christmas presents for the wife and kids. Change your Twitter handle. To All right, it's on my it's on my Christmas to do list. All right, All right that's going to do it for us this month again, Monty. Thanks so much for stopping thanks by. So much. Thanks check so much out, for having me. Check out his stuff, uh, and we want to wish everybody a very happy, safe, and merry holidays and Christmas and everything else. And I guess we'll we'll see you guys in 2014, Sean. Yeah, man. Go buy some metal for Christmas, and we'll see you in the new year. All right. Take care, everybody. See ya.